Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your host for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. My name is Robert Prining. This evening, Jeremy Dunn is joining me as usual. How are you doing, Jeremy? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good. How are you doing up there since the, the mad storm of Sandy came? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Let me tell you. So, so those of you who are in other regions of the country or just have been living under a rock for the past, you know, week... <laughs> Um, we had a hurricane that came through, and it was a big storm that uh, that came through. And uh, and, and I, I think you guys in Philadelphia got a lot of rain, yeah? Yeah, we got a lot of rain. There was a lot of damage here in um, Bucks County area and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I heard. And uh, we, uh, we here in – because I live on Staten Island. And uh, where I live on Staten Island is a is a is a neighborhood called St. George, and St. George is where the um, Staten Island ferry has the terminal. So the the ferry goes between Staten Island and Lower Manhattan. So I I know this is a long story, but I'm getting there. <laughs> but um, the the uh, so I'm literally four blocks, I would say. Maybe a seven-minute walk if I stroll to the waterfront. I mean, I'm literally in New York Harbor. I, I'm right on the harbor. I, I walk out my front door and I can see the Statue of Liberty and and Lower Manhattan. That's pretty That's cool. So, yeah. How so, how bad is it where you work specifically? Because I mean, if you watch the news, like you said, or we're under a rock, you were obviously you know New York yeah. was hit. Extremely bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so the storm hit on Monday night. We lost power uh, Monday Monday evening, probably around eight o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock, and um, and so we stayed in. Some neighbors came up, but uh, where we are, where Dan, because you know my roommate Daniel Bauer and I, uh, we live uh, up on a hill. We're, we're on a higher ground. So um, the storm surge, so what they were, we were right on the edge of the mandatory evacuation zone. And that was um, uh, probably, you know, across the street or a block away is where the mandatory evac zone was. So you didn't have um, to evacuate? No, we didn't. No. No, we didn't evacuate because we knew that we were higher up. We were on a hill, and we were on the second floor. So we were pretty in good, you know, as far as that goes. Um, right. The storm surge, and, and storm surge, ladies and gentlemen, is when the tide comes in really, really high. And uh, and so uh, we missed all of that flooding. But uh, the net, very next day, Tuesday, Daniel and I walked out to uh, go see um, the damage um, as far as we could go and, and walk and go see it. And uh, it, it was pretty bad. Um, we got down to the boardwalk, which is, you know, just, you know, again, a three or four minute walk away. And, uh, and, the, and there's a baseball stadium there. And we came around the uh, kind of the east side of the stadium, and and came around the north and walked around the north side of the stadium, and uh, and then we noticed where the damage was. And there are these wooden benches that are usually bolted 
into uh, the cement, into the cement and in the boardwalk. All the fences were missing. They were gone. Um, the some of the some of the boards were brought up. Uh, big stone granite um, steps and 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 um, granite. I mean, we're talking heavy granite pieces were missing from from the sidewalk area. The 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 uh, the, uh, the the stairs that go up about twenty feet. The uh, the storm you could see where the storm where the uh, the the ocean came in to right about half halfway up those steps. So it it was pretty bad. It was it was awful. And uh, we had we lost um, power on on Monday. We didn't get it back until Thursday. Wow. So yeah. And so, but the good news was is that we had gas heat, and we had uh, a, we have a gas range. <laughs> the bad news is that we had gas heat, gas range, but the um, <laughs> the water heater was electric. Oh lord! <laughs> so we didn't have any hot water, and and by the time um, you know, by the time, by the time you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold out any longer on Wednesday, and I said, I have got, I have got to take a shower, so I took a cold shower. But uh, but you you um, some friends of mine who live just down the hill, uh, and they're they're kind of close to the waterfront, they're first floor neighbors were under six feet. Six feet of water. Wow. Um and so I'm five foot eight or five foot nine. So that was you know, that you know, six feet, that's that's deep. That's a lot of water. So they lost everything. Um they finally got power back yesterday but they still don't have heat. So so I mean we were very lucky, Daniel and me. We're very lucky. Um, but you just walk two blocks down, and um, it, it, other other Staten Islanders, Staten Islanders are not near as lucky. People are waiting three to six hours in line for food. Um, they are uh, people are pushing each other off of buses. Uh, because the su- some of the subways aren't running, because they're still flooded and they still haven't been um, inspected. So I mean, there's still a lot of cleanup to do. Uh, the, um, the 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 New York Marathon was supposed to happen yesterday or today. What is it? One of the days, either yesterday or today, and uh, it was canceled at last minute finally. Um, but uh, just even the thought of having the, I mean, that was just ridiculous. The ferries weren't running. I mean, the ferry services were were, were suspended. So it, that was the only way that Daniel and I, Daniel and I could get on and off the on and off the island was ferry. So we were stuck here. We were literally literally stranded on Staten Island. Well, I am glad to hear that you guys were all right and made it through the storm and didn't have to worry about any damage. Yeah. Unfortunate for other people. Um, yeah. You know, especially down at the Jersey Shore, a lot of um, the yeah. boardwalks and all that kind of wiped out. So yeah. uh, we'll it's send a out from all the people who were affected by the the hurricane. Can, um, I do want to um, move on. Hold on one second before we move on really quick. Is if, uh, for those of our listeners who are listening, and if they can, uh, the American Red Cross in the New Jersey and the New York um, New York City areas are accepting donations, uh, of course, monetary, and of course, if you have uh, canned foods or um, clothes, <coughs> excuse me, or or, or can, uh, canned food, clothes, money, anything you can donate that you'd be willing to donate, please do, uh, because there are people here that are still that are homeless that have lost that have lost everything, and uh, they could use your help. So anyway, that, that's all I have to say. Oh, no, I appreciate that. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, donate if you can. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about is, um, unfortunately, last week we had to reschedule the show um, due to, you know, everything that was the storm coming, Sandy and all that, the hurricane. 
Um, so we are going to reschedule um, Justin B. Terry Smith and his husband, Philip, um, for a later date, I believe, in December. I think it's actually going to be the day after World AIDS Day, December 2nd. And they're going to come on and share their story of being, you know, um, married, HIV positive, and foster parents. So, mm-hmm. Hold on, sorry. Guys, shut up. So we can check for that at a, another time. Um, and I do want to mention a couple things about me before we bring our guests on. I do see Kathleen on the on the line. Um, uh, the last week or so, I've been doing some training uh, courses, and I haven't really had much time to talk about it, but I did some of the, the ACO training courses. Um, and I just am about to finish, hopefully, I have my written exam tomorrow um, for the TPAC, for testing and counseling and referral. So hopefully by next week I'll be able to come on and let you know that I can be officially be hired somewhere as a t- tester slash counselor um, because um, I, th- I feel that it's important that positive people are there when somebody's newly diagnosed and, you know, when when that process happens, it's a little bit easier to, you know, because when you're diagnosed, you think you're alone. You think you're that unicorn and there's nobody, you may not know anybody who's living with HIV at the time of your diagnosis. So to, I think, have the comfort of maybe the tester or counselor there present who's able to kind of inspire you or maybe give you some hope at the, that moment of darkness, I think is a good thing. So um, I'll let you all know about that next week. Are you there, Jeremy? Sorry, I'm yelling at the dogs. They're barking. Okay, well, I'm glad you got all that. Um, yeah. Let me uh, welcome uh, our guest on this evening. It's Kathleen Jarris darbison and she's probably best known for as being the founder and director of Stitches Women Initiative, an organization that offers doll-making workshops for women with HIV infection and other health and life challenges. So um, please help me welcome Kathleen to the show. Hi, Kathleen. Are you there? Hello? Kathleen? Okay. So Hello, Kathleen. Kathleen. Yeah, we'll take a, a quick break, have Kathleen call back, because um, I'm not sure what happened there. So once she gives us a call back, we'll bring her back on into the air. So give us about 30 seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good, but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvelyn Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. All righty then. And as we're waiting for Kathleen to call back in, let's see, Kathleen, are you there? Hello? Kathleen, you're on the air. Kathleen, are you there? Kind of interesting. I see her sitting there, and I'm bringing her on hold, but I don't see her. I see her on. I see her on. Kathleen. Hmm. Let's try this one more time. I, I got uh, Kathleen. Are you there? Kathleen. Alrighty then. Oh no. Maybe yeah, uh, Kathleen. Are are you a mime? Let's um, try to have her call back. I don't know exactly what the problem is. Um, I don't know either. Uh, because, Kathleen, if you're, if you're hearing this, um, mimes don't work well on radio. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say that. You know, um, so, so, I mean, <laughs> but anyway, so, so while we're waiting for Kathleen to call back in, and uh, hopefully we can get, the, uh, get, her, to get her on, um, so I, I just wanted to say uh, what you're doing, uh, Robert, is great. You know, with all the training that you're doing and, and everything that you're doing with um, community service and getting back into the community and pull, putting back, I think that's awesome. Um, the the other thing is, oh, so so just quickly, I, I have a I have a silly story and, and I just want to bring this on. Oh, oh, wait, I think we have Kathleen again. Um, so Kathleen, hold on one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bring you back on. And I'm hitting live, the live button. It's Kathleen, are you there? Kathleen. 
it's kind of weird. I don't know why. I don't know either. I don't know either. Maybe she can try to call back on a different number, and maybe that'll work better, because I know she can probably hear us. Um, but I, I don't bet know why she can. I bet she can. Yeah, I don't know why she can't hear us. Kathleen, if, if this is you and, and you're hearing us, area code 563, are you on the line? Area code 563. Yeah, I think that's her. Um, okay, area code 563, I'm putting you back on mute so you can listen. Um and uh, and then we'll go from there. So um, anyway, Robert, yes, what you're doing I think is great with all the training and stuff. Thank you, I appreciate it. I just wanted to feel like I was disconnected for a little while, um, and it feels good to to get back in to meet with different people who are working, you know, in the HIV community as testers and counselors and. Um, I've met a variety of different kinds of people, and it's been a really amazing experience, actually. Oh, that's that's awesome. You know, it is pretty kind of cool to when when you when you're able to get back or give back to some to a um, to a community that you're a part of. It's, yes. it's kind of an amazing feeling, yeah. I agree. Don't you think? Yes. So I mean, it, it's it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool thing. So apparently um, that wasn't Kathleen. Um, uh, we have a different area code for her. So uh, yeah. hopefully she'll be calling in 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 a few minutes. Um, but there's, uh, I, I'm hoping if that's you, Kathleen, and and we're and you can hear us. Press press the one button when you come on to talk to us. Right. Uh, and then we know that you're in the queue, and then we won't um, act like fools hitting buttons pretending that you're that's who you are. Um, <laughs> so uh, so so it, what's what's you know so so yeah yeah so I was I was just saying um, you know you're you're doing a great. I I honestly think that. Everybody who is um, who's HIV positive, who is able to work in a uh, to work to work with other HIV positive people, should, and who are able to give um, back to to the community that we're a part of, I, I think is so important. And 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 you know being uh, also just uh, and Ken in the uh, in the chat room is talking about uh, being a counselor and uh, counseling people through and 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 walking people through even if you don't have a nonprofit experience just being just. Being a um, uh, what do I want to what do I want to say? A patient navigator, if you will. Just being a patient navigator really helps because as a as a patient and as an ex, as a patient and an expert, um, it's uh, it's so important to walk other patients through the process, especially newly diagnosed. Right. So um so I understand that uh there is this thing that happens after a rainstorm is called the rainbow. And I understand that there's this thing called the rainbow award. Robert, what yes. is the rainbow award? Well, the Rainbow Awards are awards that are giving out in Philadelphia. They're actually called the Philadelphia Rainbow Awards, and they are basically for either people, organizations um, that, uh, I guess, make a significant difference in the community itself. And, and let me guess. And what? Did you get one? Are you there hey. again? Hello. What did you say? Hear me. What did you say? I said, did you get one? Yes, actually, the radio show was nominated for news media 
in Florida. Wow. Yeah. We didn't win, but we were nominated. And then actually I was nominated for a community activist uh, and actually won. So I'm kind of I was honored. I mean, there were so many amazing people that were nominated with me. And Wonderful. to actually win the award, um, it just meant a lot to me. So for the people at the Philadelphia Rainbow Awards, I really appreciate it, especially Marty, the guy who runs it, um, for, for nominating me, the people, and then actually choosing me to win. I was flabbergasted when I won. There were so many amazing people that I was put up against, and I just feel but, really honored and special that, you know, I was, I was chosen. So I appreciate all the people who nominated me and, and the, the, the people who, who actually chose me to, to be the winner of this year's Community Activist Rainbow Award. That's amazing. Congratulations. Well, it looks like we have our guest in the line now, so let and, me go ahead. And the ahead. show was nominated? Really? The show was nominated for news media, um, but unfortunately we didn't win Philly Gay Calendar did, which is a, a calendar, online calendar here in Philly that has all the gay events and happenings. Really? So, Seriously? Yeah. We actually make a difference and they posted a calendar? I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding, Philly Gay Calendar. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we have our guests on the line, so please help me um, welcome Kathleen to the show. Welcome, Kathleen. Hi, thank you. Oh, my God, Kathleen, thank God you're here, because we were talking (laughs) to this other area code and it wasn't you, and I feel stupid now. (laughs) How are you? You got me now. I'm I'm doing okay. uh, I have to say that I fell asleep. Um, missed my alarm thing to call in, and so I feel kind of stupid myself. <laughs> well, you felt well. Oh, okay. I you know, it's something about it's something about I think having that. I thought I had an extra hour of sleep last night, but uh, yes. apparently I didn't get enough sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Kathleen, because I went to a friend. I went to a couple's house that are friends of mine here on the on Staten Island. And I went over. I went over around six o'clock, and we stayed. I stayed there till almost one one ten, one fifteen in the morning. We were oh watching boy. movies, and they said, "Oh, just stay, stay. You've got an extra hour. You've got an extra right, hour." Right. I'm like, "Yeah, that extra hour just left me." You know, by the time I got home, it, you know, it's like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I get it. I get. It. I, I'm with you, honey. You, me, Kendra, spirit. You might have a vagina. But we're the same. <laughs> so glad to hear it. Yeah. Bless <laughs> his heart. Anyway. So Kathleen, am I allowed to say vagina on the on the, on the air? Sure. I, I don't Ab- know. Absolutely. I think that's the correct that's the correct term. We are allowed to say that. <laughs> oh, good. So I don't have to say the JJ. No, you do not. Mm-mm. Or, or your. <laughs> no. Or down there. Yeah. No. Yes. We say or vagina. Down there. Yes. Don't look down there. <laughs> Yes, as Sister Mary Catherine used to say. Now, ladies, we don't allow them to look down there. There. Stupid Sister Mary Catherine. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. This is your show, not ours. Yes, so Kathleen, thank you for um, joining (laughs) us this evening and, and sharing your story and talking about the project. And before we get into the Stitches Project, I want to uh, talk a little bit about your personal story of living with HIV. So can sure. you take us back to um, um tell us a little bit how long have you been living with HIV? When were you diagnosed? I uh, actually got diagnosed at the end of 1985 um, when my husband and my daughter and I were asked to be part of a um, national study called the Transfusion Safety Study. And the reason that we were requested to do that is because my husband, my late husband, um, was born with hemophilia, you know, so a bleeding disorder, and had been exposed to the blood supply his whole life. And um, obviously, uh, you know, in the early 80s, when they finally figured out what, you know, what was causing uh, or what they thought was causing these deaths and developed the HIV test, they figured the best people to test were people that had been exposed to the blood supply a lot because they wanted to see if it was, in fact, in the blood supply, and if so, you know, how much, how much of it was out there. Um, so we were tested not knowing what they were testing us for. Um, so, yeah, we found out at the end of 85. So, And I remember being, I mean, looking back now, um, I had my daughter in 1984. And um, 
uh, she was three months old. I was breastfeeding her, and she was three months old, and I got deathly ill, and I had to um, wean her so I could get on medication because I was so, so sick. So looking back now, that's probably when I seroconverted and became HIV positive. So since 1984, so it's more than half my life now that I've been wow. living with HIV. Yeah. Wow. Goodness. Gosh, nineteen eighty four. Now did yeah. you have did were you wearing the, the you know, the, the, the headbands, the the rubber bracelets <laughs> at the time? You were, weren't you? Yeah. No, no. Oh come on. No, you were wearing the peg leg jeans, yeah. Not so much. I, I was uh you know, a, a young mom, so I think I was probably just wearing hand me downs and <laughs> you know, oh, uh, nerdy, nerdy things. Hair, yeah. yeah, nerdy things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Gotcha. But that was, uh, yeah, that time period was not not a really bright spot in I my bet. life. And um, my husband really, um, he really took it um, to heart. Like he really felt responsible, um, wow. even though he didn't know he had it. You know, it wasn't his fault. But he really right. felt horrible that uh, he that I got infected through him. Luckily, our daughter um, tested negative, so that was the only, you know, yeah, it was, it was the only saving grace, and clearly, I mean, I mean this in every way that I can say it, is that uh, she is the reason that I still am alive today, because she was wow. our, our little beacon of hope out there. Yeah. Wow, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, you said late husband. Yes, he, he passed away. Actually, ironically enough, um, it was just this last Monday. It was 20 years, October 22nd. My goodness. Yeah, it's been 20 wow. years. Yeah, my daughter was only eight when her dad died. So. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a long time. Um, obviously, much has changed since then. Um, you know, we've had ups and downs, clearly, with the health stuff. and um, But luckily, because of medication, I'm still around and kicking. Um, starting trouble. So, you know, I try to always start trouble. <laughs> well, you got to. You know, I have a great big pot and a great big spoon. <laughs> and I stir it all the time. That's it. So, so, so let me ask you, Kathleen, did he, now, did he die from, uh, did he, did he pass away from complications? Of yeah. HIV? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he ended up having lymphoma. Yeah. Which Gosh. spread throughout his whole system. And yeah. And he died in a very <clears throat> short, I mean, from like eight months from the time yeah. that he uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor to the time that he passed. Um, I'm so sorry. So, and, and, and again, and I know it's 20 years later, but I am sorry for your loss. That, that's, yeah, a, well, that's a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. Thank you. It was, um, you know, it's something you never uh, you never forget. You right. never get over it. And, and again, probably largely, the, you know, the reason that I have continued to do, you know, and work in the field and try to make a difference is because I felt that we, there was information that could have perhaps not have saved him, but it certainly could have kept me from becoming infected because they knew things that they didn't, they weren't telling the public. And so yeah. I've always felt that, you know, we have to educate people as much as possible um, in, as, in as many ways as we can um, because we don't need to have new infections. You know, we, we know how it's passed now. Yeah. Got to do something, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Can yeah. I can I ask? Oh, 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 um, I, I have one more question before Robert goes up, and I'm sorry, Robert. Um, and and uh, the question I have is, how do you feel? In in and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, because I because I the the question I'm asking is, you know, you you got it through. Um, you got from your husband who happened to be a hemophiliac. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear people say things like, oh, well, you poor thing, there was nothing you could have done, mm-hmm. whereas somebody who contracted it through maybe unprotected sex or, you know, you know, possibly uh, intravenous drug use, where it's then implied that it was their fault. Yeah, well, How I got it through unprotected sex, things? too. No, I, I got it, and that's what I always say to people. Normally yeah. when I talk about how I got infected, I don't ever say, um, until much after, I don't ever say that my husband had hemophilia because I don't necessarily think that makes any difference at all. Right. I got infected through unprotected sex. It happened to be with my husband, but, you know, it could easily have been, you know what I mean, some other situation. Um, 
you know, it's a sexually transmitted disease. So it's one of those things when people say things like that, and they oftentimes they, they're trying to be, you know, like, um, I don't know, say something nice to you. I don't, they don't, maybe they don't right. know what to say, you know. Um, but I'm always very, very straightforward in my response to that, which is, you know, nobody deserves this virus, and it's, uh, it, it's equal opportunity. And if it has the opportunity to, you know, get from one person to another, it's going to. And nobody wants it and nobody deserves it. And there's nobody that's less guilty, more guilty, innocent, whatever it might be. Um, you know, yeah, people feel sorry for, like, little babies who get it. Of course. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, they're, they're totally, you know, something they have no control over. Are you but, looking for um, another husband? I, I actually, I actually, I got remarried to a wonderful man um, who That's I've known good. since I was a kid. Yeah, no, he, wow. him and I, um, yeah, he's he's wonderful, and he's not HIV positive, but he is like a rock. He's uh, he's the you know big stability in my life, and he's Great. wonderful. So I have been doubly blessed in my life. Um, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. if he comes to New York, he and I can get married, and then I can come <laughs> live with you, and then it's. Well, there you go. Then it's then it's all good. It's all good. See, see how that works. All right. Well, that's the plan. Done. (laughs) She's probably going. Oh my God! Really? Seriously? Did he just say that on the air? (laughs) Robert, you're up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Kathleen, when you were when you were diagnosed, um, how did you find support, and how did your family take it when you told them? I'm assuming that you have. Well, it, it was um, it was a time period where you there was no support because there wasn't any you know any information out there. There wasn't people talking about it. I mean, it was very still so new that uh, you know most people didn't even know what it was. I mean, like until they told us, we didn't hadn't even heard of it. So it wasn't like it was out there in the news even when we found out. Um, and they the thing that I remember most about that day when they told us was the most important thing was. Don't tell anybody because of the of the few you know um, stories that were out there of people that had been you know public or whatever. Um, people lost their jobs. You know, people had been kicked out of where they were living, and you know, my husband and I were just a new newly married couple. You know, we didn't have anything. We were renting a little you know a little apartment. Um, so you know, it was a very scary scary time, and um, so it wasn't until let's see that was so I found out we found out in '85. And it wasn't until 1989 that I actually spoke with another human being about being infected with HIV, and that was the uh, social worker at the uh, hemophilia treatment center here in Detroit, which is where my husband went to get his care. And there was finally a a social worker there, somebody that I could, you know, talk with, and I told her about, you know, how I felt and keeping the secret and that I must be the only woman in the world who was dealing with this and, you know, it was making me crazy. Um, and she is the one that said to me, well, would you like to start a support group for women, you know, in the hemophilia community? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what a support group is, but it's got to be better than, you know, keeping this horrible secret, you know, because it was so scary. And we didn't know, I mean, we still at that point, you know, there wasn't much known. There wasn't any medication still out there. There was no hope. Um, you know, and, and and we had kept it secret for that many years. And my husband at his work, you know, when he would have to go to doctor's appointments, he'd have to make up, you know, some other bullcrap story, you know what I mean, about what he had to go, you know, had to go to the dentist or he had to do this or he had to do that because, you know, people would start asking questions. So um, I actually, with another spouse of a man with hemophilia, her and I, began the first women's support group here in the Detroit area. And that was the beginning of my uh, my activism. And it and it truly was, although there weren't, at the time that this support group started, it, there was no other women with HIV, but it was women in the in this community that had either husbands who were infected or brothers or sons, you know, who were infected or other family members who had HIV who had gotten it through their blood products like my husband did. So at wow. least it was a place we could talk, you know what I mean, that was safe to talk about about the issues and, um, you know, and the things that were bothering us. So it still was probably another year, yeah, year, year and a half, till I finally met the first other woman with HIV that I ever met in my life. And her and I became very, very close friends and were able to get through the deaths of our husbands together and, you know, um, you know have bonded in a way that, uh, you know, you, you understand when, you, when you're going through something 
like this where there, it's just not safe to really talk to other people about it. And it wasn't for a long time. Um, I have to say I'm much happier now, though, because once my husband and I did go public in 1990, that was when Ryan White passed away. Yeah. And they asked us if we would respond to his death and they, what it meant, you know, the kind of impact it would have on the hemophilia community. Um, and my husband said to me, he's like, you know what, we, we really have to do this. We have to step out of the dark and we have to start talking about this. Um, it, you know, the, the stakes are too high. So wow. that was, that was uh, that's kind of how, and my life has been an open book since then. And uh, And then obviously I have, you know, continued on, did a lot of education here locally, and then uh, started my doll project, which, you know, has, again, grown and reached a lot more people. So, you know, as I said, times change. Um, some of the attitudes are certainly better nowadays than they were. People are less afraid, yeah. you know. Yeah. People are less afraid of you, like if you say you have HIV. I mean, more people are knowledgeable. But uh, we still have our work cut out for us. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is it, it's 9:30. It's the bottom of the hour, and um, we are talking with uh, Kathleen here, and uh, we're talking uh, about um, her project called Stitches Doll Project. And um, Kathleen, let, let's start talking about the Doll Project. Okay. Uh, it, 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 because I, I, you know. I, I'm just glad that they're not the scary-looking dolls, you know, that <laughs> that that my grandmother has in her room. Um, oh, those kind. Yes, I know what you mean. You remember the the, the porcelain <laughs> things that like stare at you? Yeah. Yes. And and they uh, just have that horrible, awful-looking face. Those faces. Um. So, 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 you know, you, you why so. Why dolls? Why did you start this? Why why dolls? Well, I was working at a local agency uh, at the time doing prevention, HIV prevention education, and myself and the only other female that worked there at that time, um, we were, you know, always out in the, you know, we were doing stuff in the schools, educating and out in the community, and there was funding that came in, funding streams that came in for specific groups of people, right, you know, targeting high-risk you know, people, right? And at the time, they always called them high-risk groups, right? You know, so there was money came in for, you know, reaching out to gay men, you know, and doing stuff like that, you know, which is which is great and important and needed to happen. And there was funding that came in for drug users and homeless people and different things. There was absolutely zero dollars that came that was earmarked at all for women and any messages developed for women, right, about risks that, that they were up against, and if you heard anybody talk about it at all, the only thing you ever heard was, you know, women, all they have to worry, as long as they don't have sex until they get married, you know, they're safe. So, which, of course, you know, causes lots of alarm bells to go off in me, right? Because clearly if I, as the nerdball person that I was growing up, I, I wasn't sexually active in high school, you know what I mean? I, I, I was one of the nerdiest, straightest arrows, you know, you could find. If I could be infected with HIV, that means anybody could be. And, you know, being married or any other label you want to put on yourself doesn't protect you from this, you know. So we really had to start to do something to bring up the awareness, especially for women. So we started the Stitches Doll Project, and we thought of the idea of dolls because they could be the vehicle that would be used to tell girls' and women's stories. And, you know, women and girls have a, obviously some like a, a kinship kind of to, uh, to dolls. So um, we thought that would be a cool way to do it, let them, you know, we would do workshops. They could decorate and create the doll however they wanted. And then we would just ask them the one question, the main question, which is, if your doll could talk, what would she say? What would she want people to know? And so you can imagine, and I know, Robert, you have seen um, some of the dolls um, at the International AIDS Conference in July. Um, the stories that these dolls have to tell are extremely powerful. And they bring up, they don't, they don't all talk about how they got infected. You know, some of them do. Some of them write, you know, poems. Some of them don't have anything to say at all. They let the doll speak for themselves. Um, but they all are messengers. They're all little, little teachers, right, because these dolls, the women don't keep the dolls. They come to the project. We do displays, you know, in exhibits, places, um, anywhere where we're invited. You know, we'll 
either if it's close enough to me and I live in Michigan, um, I will physically take dolls anywhere and, and do an educational session. But if it's far enough away from my house, I'll send dolls out, you know, to agencies or museums or whoever wants to have an exhibit of them so that these dolls can do their job, which is to educate the greater community. And I, I think it's amazing. And like you said, I actually we met at um, the International Youth Conference, and I saw the, the little exhibit you had there. And I actually wanted to buy a doll at the time because I thought <laughs> they were just amazing. And they they tell a story, you know what I mean? Yes. And and they're the voice for those who who can't be vocal and open like we That's are right. here. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, a lot of a lot of women, as you as you well know, you guys are well aware of this because you you know you work in this area. Uh, for a lot of people, it's not safe to be out uh, and open about their HIV status. Um, you know where they live, um, whether it's you know big city or small towns. Um, maybe it's because of the relationship they're in. I mean, you know, there's any number of reasons. So, for some some of these women, for actually many of them, this is the only place where they can actually say what they'd like to say. Um, and they know the doll is going to go on to educate other people, so that's very empowering for them. And um, also it's, it's a way for them to kind of rid themselves of some of the stuff that they've been carrying around, right? You know, because we all know that secrets can kill us. You know, they eat us, they eat away at us, and, and they hurt our health. Um, so a lot of these women use these dolls. They, they, they use the doll to kind of put everything that they feel onto the doll, and then the doll can go out and take it away, and the woman... Um, themselves can be kind of be lighter and freer and, and kind of rid of, of some of that uh, baggage that we carry around all the time. Yeah, I'm actually I'm on the website now. People can go and check out uh, the project and, and a lot of the, the amazing dolls that have been created throughout, um, you know, the the years that you've, you've been doing the project by going to www.stitchesdollproject.org. I'm actually going to put a link in the chat in the chat room. In a little bit, Thank so people you. can go check. It. I didn't realize that actually you could click on a state that has, you know, yes, in that area who actually create dolls, and you can actually read it and some of their story about it. I think it's really amazing. Um, now, I know you were talking to me personally about um, possibly having people adopt the dolls. Can you tell us a little bit of how that works? Yeah. Um, well, we have. Um, We've had people ask us over the years, um, you know, about buying dolls or are these dolls for sale. And, of course, these, these individual dolls are creations of each woman or girl, right, who's made them. And they, the reason that they made them was to go out and educate. So we didn't want to sell the dolls because then it would, you know, she would be uh, in somebody's, you know, uh, bookcase or something at home and uh, really not doing a whole lot of education. But we've had enough requests now that um, we decided that we would put something together where women could, or, or I mean anybody could sponsor a doll or kind of adopt a doll and by giving, a, you know, a donation. Um, and that way it would, it would enable us to continue to do the project and let women um, and, or girls, like I said, make dolls. Um, and we can offer these because we offer the programs to them free of charge. I mean, we, I never charge any woman who wants to make a doll for the for the dolls, right? Um, and so it's my my job to try to find the funding to do that. And um, so currently we don't have any grant funding, and so it's all about just trying to keep this thing going. So that's what we did. And if you um, go on the website and you click on uh, how to submit a doll, which is the link on the main page, it takes you to the second page. And one of the options there is sponsoring a doll. Um, but we also have doll making kits. So if there are women or girls who'd like to make a doll. Um, and they can, you know, let me know. They can send me uh, a message, you know, email or whatever, and I will send them out a doll kit too. So we are trying to open it up a bit because we see that there is an interest, you know, to, to that. Um, and I think it's a, I think it would be a great way. There are some, uh, well, actually, you had a picture up on the site when you were advertising this radio show of one of the dolls that was actually created at the International AIDS Conference by a, a young woman there who had made the doll at the conference, right? And she took the doll home with her because she is an educator and a poetess, you know, an entertainer, and she said she's going to use the doll to help in educating every time she does the program of any kind. So I think that, you know, this is a new, kind of a new little avenue for us 
which could which could be really wonderful because it still advertises the project. People would know about the doll project. We'd probably get more people interested in the, you know being part of it. So I think uh, it's a wonderful idea, and I appreciate you bringing it up, Robert. Yeah, I mean, I I love traveling with different things with me when I go and I do speaking engagements. And usually, me and Jeremy we carry our dad the aids there everywhere we go. We do. Have, I do. You do. You, who are you kidding? <laughs> um, I think oh, I travel like, with him. Yes. Doesn't mean I take him out of the suitcase. <laughs> well, I we do. We, do. we take photos with it wherever we go and with people. And I think having a doll with me would be an awesome asset. You know, so people would understand what your project is all about, and it would yeah. drive people to the website and to donate, you know, and, and get involved and make more dolls. Now, you don't just do dolls for pe- women living with HIV. What other projects are underneath the Stitches name? Yes, well, um, it, uh, probably a couple years after I started the Stitches dolls, which is obviously for women and girls with HIV, um, because of my connection with um, you know hemophilia, the whole bleeding disorder thing, and my daughter, my daughter actually, who's not HIV positive, but she has two different bleeding disorders, one of which she inherited from her dad. So it became you know so there's women that have bleeding disorders. So my other friend said to me, you know, couldn't we do dolls like you do for the stitches? Couldn't we do that for you know girls and women with bleeding disorders so we can educate the greater community about that as well? Um, because there is a lot of women who have problems with bleeding not just you know uh from menstruating but other issues and they don't think they think that for in their family for instance that's just normal <clears throat> and um the the bottom line of that is this these are many times these are um disorders bleeding disorders that can be treated but people don't really aren't aware that they even have one so we felt that yes we could do the same kind of thing with dolls um for women with bleeding disorders and then we um just it's been a, this is a year and a half, I guess, now. We started the Victory Against Violence Dolls, which is, um, you know, violence against women. So whether sexual assault, domestic violence, those kind of things. Um, and then we have little, we have dolls that were made by um, AIDS orphans in um, Tanzania. And um, we're working with some other agencies, uh, Honduras and, uh, and elsewhere, for kids who are infected or who have um, parents you know who 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 died of AIDS, and they're they're the you know the kids that are left. They may not be infected themselves, but their lives are affected, you know, by HIV. So we are um, constantly kind of evolving and growing. And I think you know using dolls like this is a great vehicle for anybody to tell their story, um, because people are drawn in when you see the display of the dolls. You want to know like what are those dolls about, and you come over there and you start to read the stories about them and you realize that, you know, wow, you know, this is really powerful and they're very educational. So um, we can use them in lots of different ways. So, um, you know, I've always encouraged people if they have, you know, questions about it or ways that they think, you know, um, we could be helpful in in helping them in whatever, you know, whatever arena, uh, you know, health challenges or other kinds of things going on in people's lives, I think we could certainly do something to, to make that more, um, make other people more aware. You know, I think the dolls are a good way to do that. Now, is, is the Transitions Project, has that been started up yet, or is that still kind of in the beginning? Well, I'm, we, are, we are writing, we are, we've been writing some grants um, to try to get some grant money to do that. So we uh, haven't been successful yet, but I'm hopeful that we will be successful because um, transgender uh, the issues of transgender people are just really close to my heart. Um, I have learned so much about it. I'm, I'm actually a sociology professor, and so I teach a lot of things, and one of my favorite classes is the sociology of sex roles. And so we talk a lot about gender inequality and gay and lesbian you know, rights, and when you get to the transgender part, that's still a place, an area that a lot of people don't know much about. You know, They, they don't understand it. Um, so I really feel that uh, if we could get some some funding to do that, and I actually would start it without funding. Um, if I find a group of people, you know, that uh, we could work with and maybe pilot the project, uh, a trans trans project, I would love that. So if anybody's aware of something uh, and you can put them in contact with me, we could make it a ha- we could make that happen. I I think the whole concept is amazing. It's kind of like arts and crafts to share your story and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. And I'm 
kind of surprised that I didn't come across you sooner, but I definitely think it was meant to be for me and my partner to walk past you at the conference. Yeah, and, I think and, so, and, too. <laughs> it's kind of weird that we also have David. Um, Panasar is a, a mutual friend of ours, too, so yes. I thought that was kind of yes. interesting. How did I not, how did I not meet you, Kathleen? Um, I think you were just in another part of the conference, that's all. Where the hell was I? <laughs> well, the question was, where the hell was I? And I was back by the food court, <laughs> so uh, in the back end of the Global Village. So um, some people, oh, didn't, even, some people didn't even make okay. it. Yeah, some okay. people never even made it back there. I mean, the place was huge, you know. It was yeah, 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 a, a exactly, cajillion people yeah. were there. So Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was always up near the the stage area because I was too busy reporting. Yes. Well, that's probably um, why we didn't meet. Yeah. Damn it. All right. <laughs> so, so I actually, you know, I I have a I have an interesting idea for you. Okay. And and you can take this and and do with it what you will. But um, getting going out to um, schools like mm-hmm. uh, elementary school, mm-hmm. and having kids put assembling dolls for um, for uh, 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 for ki- for other kids who are living with HIV. Meaning, like as um, comforting like, things? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah, like you know, for you know. Like, um, you know, like kids who don't, you know, uh, not just comforting things, but, um, you know, you know how many uh, AIDS service organizations will have a Christmas yeah. celebration for, for people yeah, who for are... Yeah, for families, who are, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. for less, less fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, having, you know, uh, uh, kids making dolls for other kids. You know, and and that sort of thing. I, I mean, I, I know it's not women and 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 girls yeah. specific, but and it doesn't have to it, be. Yeah. Yeah, but what if yeah. you know that that's just an idea where you know yeah. you get people from the community to know to know to, know, to blah blah blah. Sorry, <laughs> my my tongue is in front of my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm saying. Um, well, we did have that happen actually one time oh. from a. Um, uh, middle school that I did um, in the uh, west side of Detroit, uh, not a you know not a real great area, you know not a real safe area to live, um, lots of poverty and stuff. And I went there to do to talk to an after school program, talked about the dolls, brought them in, talked about it. And after I left there, the girls talked to the their um, you know their mentor and said, you know we'd like to make dolls to send to orphans. That's what they did. And so they actually made a, a group of dolls, and they put messages. They wrote messages, like affirmations, with these dolls, and they gave them to me to give to the woman that I was working with, and she took them to the orphanage in Honduras. So, I mean, I think you're, you know, it's a great idea, and I, I think, again, it's something that, um, uh, you know, we can we can add to all the time. I mean, any yeah. any any ideas are great ideas, and I think we can we can certainly build on them. Um, I'm only one person, and uh, and so if if you guys are aware of stuff, places, schools, anything, anything like that, that you know we could get some connections to, because that's really what it comes down to, right? Um, connecting up with people who are like-minded and want to, you know, make something happen, we'll we will make it happen. Whether we have, you know, we have to beg, borrow, and steal uh, the money. Okay, not steal <laughs> uh, the money uh, to I, get it done. We will. Yeah. I, I'll steal. I don't mind. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I'll blame it on Robert. Hi, my name is Robert Brining. Yes, here, go. Take it. <laughs> so if, if there is an organization or somebody listening who is from an organization that would like to have you come and do a doll-making workshop, um, that is on your website somewhere where they can go and fill that information out? Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on the main the main page says uh, how do you submit a doll or how do we request a doll making workshop, right on the main page. So yes, people can come there and get connect with us. It has the our, our toll free number also right on the main page, as big as life. So people can get a hold of me. Um, yep, any any time, any place. The website for people who are listening is stitchesproject.org. Stitches doll stitches doll project dot org. Yes. And then the toll-free number that people can call is one eight six six five 
Um, another question I have coming from uh, coming to us from Twitter um, mentions that you were um, you served on Clinton's advisory committee for HIV and AIDS. Can you mm-hmm. tell us what that was? About? Yeah, that was that was really phenomenal. Um, I, I was I ended up on a short list to to be part of that uh, that committee, and I suppose it was because I was connected with the hemophilia community, but I was a white female, you know, suburban woman, you know, that kind of thing. So I fit I fit some criteria anyway, and ended up on that council, and I met amazing people doing great stuff all around the country, you know, lawyers and. Uh, you know, people that were directors of agencies that were doing great stuff and other people who were infected, male, female, you know, gay, straight. Um, it was it was incredible. Um, so we, 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 we really bonded and um, did a lot of good stuff while um, Clinton was in office, tried to lift the ban at that time on, on the needle exchange, you know, the funding, not being able to use uh, federal funding for needle exchange. We tried that. We did lots of interesting and cool things, and... Um, I'm. I was very pleased and honored to be actually be part of that. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so it what was very cool. Anything? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the last thing you said. Okay. Do you have any events or any, um, you know, doll workshops coming up that people can attend? Well, I don't. I don't really have doll workshops happening right now. Um, there's a lot of them. A lot of mine happen uh, during the summer when I go to to camps around the country. Um, and I and I always work here locally with the Children's Hospital here in in Detroit, um, and during the semester. But around World AIDS Day, we always have lots of displays because there's lots of requests for the dolls, and we're having a huge World AIDS Day Detroit event uh, once again this year. We did it last year for the first time ever. We had a committee here locally, and we had Ryan White's mom come, and she was our get- keynote speaker, and it was. An incredible evening um, involving all all different agencies, you know, here in the Detroit area. So we're going to do that again. Um, and um, I can certainly, like I said, when we do workshops and stuff and other things, it's put up on the calendar on our website too. So we post things there under news and events, you know, um, so people will know kind of what's going on. Um, so I mean, people can always check there to see. And like I said, if people are interested in hosting a workshop or something in their area. Uh, they have a support group of people that would like to do something, or like I said, anything, even the trans project, whatever. Just have them get a hold of me, um, you know, through the website or the phone number, um, whatever is easier. And um, we will we will make things happen because this is this is how the the, the um, project has gotten as big as it has. And we have dolls from India and South Africa and other places, and that's because it's been word of mouth and it's people who believe in the project. So um, let's keep it let's keep it going. Yeah, it's about amazing. You can find more information on the doll project by going to stitchesdollproject.org, and you're also on Facebook as well, where people can find you under Stitches Women. That's and correct. Stitches, right? That's correct. I'm on Facebook too. Yeah, <laughs> people can like you guys on there as well. Thank you. Um, and is there anything else that we didn't get to talk about that maybe you wanted to cover in the last couple minutes that we have? I well, I can't think of anything offhand, but I would just say, you know, as I said, if people have further questions, um, you know, after after the fact, um, they know how to get a hold of me. And I really appreciate you guys having, you know, having me on and, and talking about the project. Um, this is wonderful, Absolutely. and I applaud you guys for what you do. The uh, you know, Pause I Am is is awesome and great, and we need. We need more more people to uh, to pitch in and, and fund you guys as well, so we can keep this going. Very yeah, pleasing. Well, you. you have yourself a great night, Kathleen. Well, thank you guys. All right, thanks. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Week, Kathleen. It's, you know, thank it's you. Been a, it's been my pleasure, Kathleen. And and uh, Kathleen, this is Jeremy. I'm going to be giving you a call probably this week because I have a couple of ideas that I want to Great. shoot by you and uh, see if we can get you uh, connected out here in New York. Wonderful. Sounds fabulous. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Sure thing. Have a good evening. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye-bye. Mm, bye-bye. Remember, folks, you can find more information on our guests and the Stitcher Style Project by going to stitcherstyleproject.org. What an amazing story and project, I think it's incredible. Go oh, what a great it. project! Huh? I, I, you know what? What an amazing project. I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of, I think it's very, very cool. Yeah, and I love that she goes to camps. I would love to hook her up with Camp Dreamcatcher here in, in, in Philly. 
and uh, yeah. have her come out and do that. I think the kids there would like it. So um, I want to thank everybody for joining us this evening. And uh, one uh, more thing, one more thing. Don't forget to get out and vote on Tuesday. It's very important. Yes, don't forget to vote. And uh, I want to remind everybody that we will be back next week when we are speaking with Jeff Allen, um, the founder of Positive Champions. Um, so I'm excited to talk to him next week. It's a rescheduled show from when we had to cancel before. So thanks again for tuning in. Jeremy, um, people can find more information on you by going to your website, PositivelySpeaking.com, and more information on myself and also links to Jeremy's website and blog at POSIM.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Jeremy, have a great week, and I'm glad you're you not too. underwater. Love you, everyone. Mwah. Love you.